I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. We're going to talk about a very scary topic. Yeah, I gotta say, um, my boyfriend is a touch of a hypochondriac. I have friends who are very concerned about this topic. So I'm just going to say, if you tend to be a hypochondriac of any kind, listen with caution. Yes. Because today, we are talking about Toxic shock syndrome. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, Madigan, do you remember the first time somebody talked to you about toxic shock syndrome? I I feel like everyone has an urban legend that they grew up with. Yes, I believe, I don't remember being told about it, although I'm sure that I was uh, probably in high school or something, but I think I'd heard about it before then. And I think it was when I was reading the back a tampon box. Oh, yeah. I think that's a lot of people's first experience and with that. And then I think I asked about it, and I had an image in my mind of being like, you know, I'm 13 years old, and I read shock. I picture, like, a lightning bolt going through you, like, Bleh. Right. I, I, I do feel like the name is kind of deceptive for what it is. I mean, it's not deceptive, but it Your does, body can go into shock. It does conjure an image. They do a lightning bolt yeah, next to it. it. It conjures an image that's that's not quite what it is. Well, and there's such a hype around it that makes you think, like, you put in a tampon, you get toxic shock syndrome, you die. And that's yes. it. End and of story. You know what? Doing research for this episode, it was interesting to me because I grew up with one of those moms who my mom uses pads exclusively. Okay. So whenever my I... My mom pretty much did too, I think, for the most part. When I was growing up, like, 
and, you know, went through puberty and got my period, that is what she had me use. I used nothing but pads. And, like, looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, my God, pads are so uncomfortable. No, I had to use tampons because I was a skater. So I remember my first period, I was like, it was like day three of my period. And I'm like, I'm going to have to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. But it made so much sense to me. Like my mom only using pads because when you look at the period of time at which like toxic shock panic, yeah. for lack of a better term, I think it's pretty accurate. Uh, was, was going on. It was the late seventies throughout the eighties. My mom graduated and even into the nineties. Yeah. And my mom graduated high school in 1985. So that totally so makes sense. So she went through puberty at a time whenever people were like, no, you will die mm-hmm. if you wear tampons. Um, but I remember the first time I heard about... So I'd read the back of the tampon box. Yeah. Even though I didn't, like... I didn't use tampons. I yeah, used pads. Yeah, I don't pads. think I used them yet. Um, but I had seen that. I had heard it in passing, but I didn't really know what it was. And then I was at a friend's house when I was, like, 17. 16 or 17. And she was like, yeah, this girl I knew... A guy was going to go down on her, but he got down there and it smelled so bad, like something had like died or something. And she went to the doctor and she had forgotten to take her tampon out for like two months and she had toxic shock syndrome and then she died, you know, and I'm just like... One of my very best friends in the world had a tampon up there for, like, two to three months and didn't know and, like, wasn't getting a full period and was getting a lot of pain and went to the gynecologist, like, in panic, and then she just pulls out this old... Yeah, it's really... I'm not going to name this person, because that would be so cruel of me. That's so gross. I know, but, like, you, she didn't die. She didn't get sick. She was just like, my tummy hurts. Like, my uterus is hurting me. What's going on? And she was just like... Bloop. Yeah, the the shit people can get stuck up there is interesting. I've got a couple funny stories about things like that, but that's not the time or place. Not the time. Okay. So, but the point is that toxic shock syndrome has been this thing in kind of the you know zeitgeist of our life. Kind of. I'm gonna start a tally of every time you just say the word zeitgeist or daily zeitgeist. Um, I'm sorry, zeitgeist and daily zeitgeist are not the same thing. I know, but you're saying the word. I'm gonna start a tally. Well, okay, that's fine. But anytime, like, it's in our... Zeitgeist, you can say it. Well, no, it's in our kind of pop culture. It really is. It exists in our world as this big thing. It became this huge urban legend of something that can happen. And like a lot of urban legends, it comes from truth. There is truth to it, but of course that truth has been incredibly distorted throughout time. So... We can kind of get into it. I would like to talk about... No, you know what? I'll save that for our period episode. I okay. have some interesting notes, but... Okay. So I got a lot of really great information from popularscience.com. Okay. Um, it talked a lot about... I also got information from the Mayo Clinic. So Mayo Clinic talks a lot about how toxic shock syndrome is um, caused by strep or, stra- or staph bacteria. Yeah. Having a strep infection or having a staph infection, a lot of times this untreated, can cause toxic shock. And, yeah, let's emphasize here that while it is recommended that... M- listen, most of us have had strep. Like, that's something that happens, especially if you've gone to public yeah. school, you interact with a lot of other people who have had strep. It's, it's very worst. easy to get. Um, so don't panic if you've had yeah. strep in your system as a virus already and that you're somehow going to contract. Yeah. Um, well, let's just start shock. this all off by saying TSS Very rare. is fixable, too. 
Yes. Like, it doesn't mean you automatically die. Yes. You it's can not go fatal in all cases. Antibiotics, yes. injections. There are things that you can do when you act on the symptoms, which we will talk about. So it's caused by strep and staph bacteria, but TSS is a complication of a bacterial infestation. And the toxic shock syndrome toxin is called a superantigen, which means it prompts the immune system to massively overreact to an infection, which results in a storm of immune cells, which causes the body to go into shock. This toxin can spread since it enters the bloodstream, so the infection in a single part of the body can end up killing you and spreading. So that's kind of the whole flow of events here, no pun intended, of toxic shock (laughs) syndrome. Pun definitely intended. I didn't mean for it to be intended, but it it was. So let's talk a little bit about the history of tampons, which will kind of give us a little bit of an idea um, about what caused this whole panic around toxic shock syndrome. So tampons began began becoming necessary uh, in about the 1930s when clothing styles became more revealing. Scantily clad. Yeah, because, I mean, back in the day when you were under multiple layers of petticoats, of course, you could Can have... Can you imagine, though, having to change even a pad in that amount of layers? Oh, God, it would be awful. Yeah, I'd be like, I mean, I need three friends to come to the bathroom with me. You all need to hold my skirts up so I can, like, Everything about having a period before, like, 1970 sounds like the worst thing ever. Yeah. It really does. I don't even, like, I won't even wear, like, a jumpsuit when I have my period because that's inconvenient. I mean, it's definitely not fun now. Yeah. So I can't even imagine back in the day. But, you know, they started becoming more widely popular, and it was actually a man who first put the patent in for a a tampon applicator. And what he used was a highly absorbent medical cloth Mm -hmm. that was being used in World War I. And he was like, what else could we use this for? And he had talked to some women in his life. He's like, that seems like a good use. pretty progressive of that dude. Yes. Yes. But he ended up selling his patent for, I mean, a couple tens of thousands of dollars, like thirty. dollars Thirty thousand dollars, let's say, for let's, instance. Let's just say just that throw that's, out a number that's and true. put it out as fact. I believe but you. something like that. He sold it to this woman who then became the first founder of Tampax. And um, let's fast forward a little bit. The 1980s is when we first saw lawsuits popping up. Yes. As far as like people were then begin beginning to be like, we can sue for this, and we can get money back um, for having toxic shock. We can sue these tampon companies. Yes. Um, And the reason why they could do that is because toxic shock was first officially identified in a study in 1978, but it wasn't necessarily linked to tampon use. Yeah, it was actually involving a staph illness in three boys and four girls. Yes, there were seven kids between the ages of 8 and 17 Mm -hmm. children. Yeah. um, And the study was published in The Lancet. And then the next year, in 1980, the CDC started doing some follow-up reports on 55 TSS cases, and that's when they noticed a pattern among the women. So 52% of the group were women, which, keep that in mind, 52% of the group were women, which means 48% were not women. Yeah. And of that 52%, 95% who came in were on their periods. Yes. And that seemed to be kind they of were an like, interesting uh-huh. thing to take into uh-huh. account. So the CDC investigation, as well as some additional case studies, implicated Rely PR brand of yep. super absorbent tampons as being a consistent factor in the people who had 
TSS. Can I talk about Rely Tampons? Yes. Okay, so in 1978, also in 78, same year as that study, Procter & Gamble introduced a super-absorbent Rely Tampon in the United States of America. This was in response to women's demands for tampons that could contain the entire menstrual flow without Uh, leakage or replacement. Again. Does that not make you want to vomit? If I keep a tampon in too long, like, I, I know it. Like, I feel it, and I'm like, you need to you need to go change this. I just feel gross, you I know? Mean, it's not even that I just feel gross. It's like my body's almost just like, this is going to come out of you now, so you need to go to a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, mine's very, very heavy, so that's probably why. My body's just like, nope. Um, so Rely used, I'm going to say, it's a big word, carboxymethicellulose. Or MC sure. or CMC, which Let's I can call it say. that, right? And compressed beads of polyester for absorption. This tampon could hold twenty times its weight in fluids. Further, the tampon would blossom into a cup shape in the vagina to hold the fluids without leakage. So these women are putting these tampons in and keeping them in for the entirety of their periods. And this was meant to be super absorbent. And this was something that I actually learned a lot about while researching this because I use supersized tampons pretty much exclusively because my period is so heavy. I used to use, um, what are they called, super extras or whatever. Right. And now I pretty much, through my entire period, even when I'm lighter, I'm like, I'm not going to go buy a whole other box of tampons. I'm going to finish the ones that I have here. I'll just use supers. And... I didn't know that, like... Yeah, you, I shouldn't do that. Yes, but yeah. I... And I knew, like, like oh, oh, you have to use the, like, the amount of absorption that you really need, but I didn't really see it as being that big of an issue, but now I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go out and buy, like, some regulars and some teeny tiny ones for the last, like, two days. Right. I use regulars pretty much exclusively, Most but... Most people do. What I do when I get to, like, the last couple of days, whenever it's very light for mm-hmm. me, personally, um, which I understand that's not the case for everyone, but my last, like, two days are generally very very light where it's it's almost like just a little more than spotting yeah is i will then use panty liners so i'll use regulars see up i'm until... still i wish because i hate pads i wish i could just wear a panty well, liner panty liners are very very thin they, that's so they're I'm not saying. quite like pads uh, but that's what i'm saying i can't use panty liners such a thin oh even my last okay. few days i won't get anything and then there will be a moment of like whoosh, and i'm like oh i see so i'll be like i'm in the clear it's done and then i'll be going about my day-to-day life i'll be in line at cvs which happened to me recently and it was just like blah, 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 and i was yeah. like okay Fuck. yeah that makes so, sense i mean so yes so what we're saying here is if you especially again not to throw anyone into a panic because no. you should not be panicking no, about this. No, because I've left them in way longer than so I should have, I. have and using supers. So, so have I. <laughs> but especially if you have had a severe, and I'm talking about severe, strep or staph infection as an adult. If you've had severe strep as an adult or staph infection, you probably should avoid wearing tampons as much as possible anyway. I've had strep. Right, but, but I haven't. It hasn't been so severe. That I need like surgery. Yes, or you have to have like they say that you have to have had severe strep as an adult. So not like as a child, but as an adult, and it has to have been a very severe strain. If that's happened to you, like you were hospitalized, you were any of that stuff because of your strep, then you probably shouldn't be using tampons, or you should be using them with other things like pads. 
And if that's not possible, then you should be using the lightest you possibly can. Yeah, exactly. So more on rely, as you were saying in 1980, uh, there were a lot of lawsuits coming out. And uh, Rely was recalled at that time. Procter & Gamble with the FDA provided a program to notify consumers and retrieve the products from the market. So that was really great that they were like, okay, clearly we fucked up. So we need to go back and, you know, remedy this mistake as best as possible. And they recalled it. And since around that time, I could be wrong, but I know it's been a while. They've actually recalled a lot of ingredients that can be in tampons. Because one thing I hear a lot is where it's like, oh, I only use 100% cotton, fully organic tampons. And that was something that I was wondering, like, what's the difference? Like, I know what the difference is logically. But I'm like, does it really make a difference to where... Re- like what I would call a regular tampon or an all organic mm-hmm. tampon. So this was from the Popular Science um, article that I read. So someone asked, "Are all organic tampons fine?" They say it's best not to use perfumed and high absorbency tampons. Mm-hmm. But a 1995 study found that cotton rayon tampons weren't any more dangerous than pure cotton tampons. Mm-hmm. Organic tampons are better for the environment, but that doesn't mean you can leave them in any longer than regular tampons. They really don't say that there is a higher or lower risk for TSS exactly when it comes to using an organic tampon and using a regular tampon, as long as you're not using anything with like perfumes and things like that. Right. So uh, what you'll see is prior to understanding what TSS was, the number of documented cases were very low whenever they looked back on like what cases that were TSS. Yeah. They were very low. They spiked in like 1979, 1980. The number of cases spiked as well because as... Because can you imagine if someone was like, hey, there's something you can put in once for your entire period and not worry about it? Right. I mean, a lot of people, no one had any idea. Yeah. So the number of cases spiked as well as the number of fatalities. They yeah. spiked in like 1979, 1980. Yeah. But that was because we now knew what this was. Yeah. Um, and then they dropped off significantly and it was because of not only... Um, our knowledge of it and our understanding of like not using certain types of things, but also the industry changed. Yeah. So in 1995, polyacrylate tampons were pulled yeah. from the shelves. Anything that had the polyacrylate in it was completely pulled. A lot of synthetic fibers that existed in tampons before that were pulled. So there's t- kind of two reasons why these rely tampons in particular and super absorbent tampons were so dangerous. And it was because of one, that you would tend to leave them in longer yeah, because they were super absorbent, so you didn't need to change them as often. And two, because of the fibers in there, um, they could, and this is kind of gross, they could scratch the vagina. Yeah. And then whatever bacteria that was being held in there, because, of course, it's blood and other kinds of, like, well, bi- and biological your, matter. And your vagina already has bacteria in it, different bacteria, mm-hmm. and it's warm and moist. Sorry yeah. To use so that it's, word, it's but... already, it's, I mean, yeah, but, I mean, it's That's gross. What but it is. <laughs> all of this is gross. Like, I'm a very visual person, so I picture this shit in my head. So, yeah. yes, I, I will make you guys suffer the way I am suffering. <laughs> so, it, the tampon with these synthetic fibers can scratch your vagina, yeah. opening it up, yep. and then all of the bacteria that's being held in fester. the tampon is 
in a warm and moist environment, which is ready and, you know, to go for multiplication and all of that shit. And it goes right into that cut. And then it goes into your bloodstream. Which goes through your entire body. Right, which infects your whole body. Should we talk about how super rare this is? Because I feel like it's a good time to talk about how super rare this is. Yes, we don't want you guys to get scared. I'm not going to stop using tampons. No, and also, when we say super absorbent, because I was like, fuck, I use super tampons, they're talking about, like... The crazy super absorbent ones. And I've always known the rule of thumb to be if you have a regular tampon in, you need to change it after eight hours. If you have a super tampon in, you have to change it after four. And I'm like, y'all can make it four hours with a tampon? Cute. (laughs) Mine's like every two hours I have to change it. So if you are aware of the time limitations for each tampon, you are fine. Right. Because of the, the, all of the, um, lawsuits. Yeah. Tampon companies have been very diligent about putting instructions on the box Which about how long you can wear them. Fear. <laughs> I mean, it does, but, you know, it's to cover their ass. So you do need to follow. Definitely don't read the box and be like, I'm going to get toxic shock. But you should follow the instructions on the box, yeah. which are to say, um, if it tells you to change your tampon every eight hours, make sure you change your tampon yeah. every eight hours. And if you do make a few mistakes every once in a while... You're okay. I I have definitely been there when I put a tampon in like an hour before bed. Uh And then I'm like, I really didn't like bleed that much. Like maybe I should just go to bed and change it in the morning. I do that all the time. I try not to do that. Yeah. I try to like, even though I'm like, it's such a waste of a tampon because like. And have you ever pulled a dry fucker out of there? Awful. Every woman that's listening right now just like gags in their mouth. They just clench their vag super hard. Yeah, for real. Um, But but yes, I, I have, but I. Because of things like this, where I know how long, I'm like, oh, if I want to sleep in in the morning or whatever, I don't want to get out of bed, yeah. change my tampon, I should just do it right before bed. See, you know? I'm such the opposite of my boyfriend, where I'm like a best case scenario gal, where I'm totally that idiot that's like, it's not going to happen to me, I'm fine. Oh, no, me too, most of the time. Yeah, I'm very much, especially with that stuff, it's like, I'll wake up in the morning, I'm like, I'm not going to jump out of bed, wake up my two dogs to like go to the bathroom. I'm and not like, going to say I I'm haven't not, done it. Yeah, I'm just I'm like, saying. I'm not ready to start my day yet. I'm not doing it. So, in 2016, the CDC reported a total of 323 cases of TSS. There are 63 million women between the ages of 15 and 44 in the U.S., which makes that ratio 0.005%. Right. So, there was a 2001... there were stats done in 2001 where they said that the annual incident rate was 1 to 2 cases uh, from 100,000 women. So, it's very low. It's unlikely. And again, if it does happen, the fatality rate is even lower than that. It's not, it's not likely to kill you unless you don't do anything and your body can't fight it off. Yeah. If your body is, um, we're going to talk about the symptoms in a bit, but if your body is showing those symptoms, it's very important to take action. So one third of TSS actually happens to men. Uh, the most famous person to die of TSS is actually a man, Jim Henson, who created the Muppets. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy time. So TSS isn't unique to tampon use. It's just more common in the tampon-using population. Well, and I feel like it was almost exclusively, in the media, almost exclusively that's the way that it was billed. 100%. It's like, this is a disease that happens if you leave your tampon in too long. Yeah. 
Um, and it was never kind of brought to our attention that it actually does happen in men. It happens in children. It happens in non-menstruating women. Exactly. Um, and it's interesting because I think we think a lot about just tampons being the culprit of TSS. But really, we are sticking a foreign object inside of our bodies. So even things like menstrual cups, uh, sponges, diaphragms. Yes. Yeah, they may also cause TSS. It's less likely, but they can still harbor that bacteria. You know, that uh, vaginas, I'm sure all of you know, and I don't have to tell you, there is a very delicate balance in there. You yeah. just don't want to fuck with it that too much. That pH situation is very... It's a whole thing, which is why I'm also very against people using those, like, pH balancing soaps. Because oh, you don't need to do that. You don't you, need the to The vagina do is self-cleaning, guys. Yeah, you're good. You're good, good, Do good, the good, basic good. maintenance. Exactly. Yeah. That's all you got to do. Exactly. So, should we talk a little bit about what the symptoms are, or do you want to talk about something else first? No, we can totally talk about what the symptoms are. Okay, sure. so if you are feeling any of these symptoms at any time, it's a good idea to at least contact a doctor and make sure that you're A-OK. So, some of the symptoms include sudden high fever, which would be 38.9 degrees Celsius or 102 degrees Fahrenheit. Low blood pressure. Um, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know what this fucking means, but they say lower than 90 mmHg. I don't know. Um, vomiting and diarrhea, a sunburn like rash on your palms or soles of your feet. And that one's very important because yes. the other symptoms can be mistaken as something else. You yes. can think you have a bad flu. You can think you have something else that might pass on its own. I am one of those people who will not go to the doctor. Like, I, I'm just like, it'll pass. Oh, I'll I'm recover. fucking broke. I'm like, I can't afford to go to the doctor. Yeah, I'm going to wait I, for a while. I just don't. I'm just like, my body, I, I grew up in a family that was very much like, your body's going to handle it. It's fine. So if I was experiencing things like hypertension or a high fever or just headaches or things like that, I would be like, this is going to pass. Yeah. So very much pay attention to the fact that if you're hands and feet, the, the insides of your hands and the soles of your feet. It's a rare have, place to get a sunburn, it's, y'all. It's very we- weird. So if it has a red rash that looks like a sunburn and the skin is peeling, um, as well as these other symptoms, that's a sign that you should go to the doctor. Yeah. They're also saying confusion, muscle aches. Again, that can be any sickness, really. Mm-hmm. Redness of the eyes, mouth, or throat, seizures, and headaches. Um, I'm horrified of getting a seizure, so if I ever got a seizure, I'd immediately be like, emergency room. Like, Well, I think that'd probably be most people's like yeah. turning point. They're like, well, I had this headache, but then I got a seizure, so I yeah. went to the doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It can progress very rapidly, and complications may include shock, renal failure, and death. Uh, prevention is that, like we said, manufacturers have uh, no longer sold tampons with certain materials that are associated with TSS. Um, also, it's important to know that TSS can re- recur, which I think is pretty obvious, but some people may not think of that. If you've had it once, you can have it again. You right. It's, I mean? it's, it's like, like a virus, right, that lives in your system. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you've, like you said, if you've had a previous staph or strep infection that is serious, don't use tampons. So right. that was I mean, and, and that's not to say, because we get it. Like, yeah. they, they do recommend, like, alternating between pads and tampons, even for just most women, they say yeah. to do that. Um, again, I fucking hate pads, and I think a lot of women do. So, I don't even like sleeping in them. I hate it. Yeah, I don't I don't like it. I'm constantly worried about how I'm moving. Like, is it going to leak? Yeah, I've had too um, many leakage problems. Yeah. I'll sleep with a tampon and a pad on for the first few nights. I've had it so bad where I've been wearing a super-sized tampon and two pads in my oh underwear. Oh, my God. I Jesus. I wear one that goes toward the front and one that goes toward the back. And they're awful. both huge. Oh. I'm telling you, I don't know what it is with my body because, like, you know how people would always assume, like, if you're smaller, you bleed less, and if you're bigger, you yeah, bleed more? Yeah, that's bullshit. Shit. It's complete bullshit, but I'm like, wh- where is this blood coming Mine's from? Mine's only heavy for, like, the first day, 
Maybe first two days and first, then it's fine. First five days. Oh my god. Is a nightmare. Um, At least like after the second day I can sleep through the night a little bit better. But so. luckily there are other alternatives if you are just one of those people who are like, I cannot wear a pad, it grosses me out, it yeah. makes me uncomfortable. Um I have not done it. And again, this is something that makes me feel weird, but maybe it's just because I haven't tried it, because most people I know who have used a Diva Cup have had a good experience with it. Diva Cups are a very good alternative yeah. to um, a tampon. If I've tried. If you, I don't I like can't, the idea of it. So it's funny because when we first did this, when we first started this show, we talked about doing a period episode right we, away. We, we will still, be doing We will, one. but we still haven't done it. So I tried a Diva Cup and I recorded myself trying it different times. Okay, this time I tried this and this happened. So I have like eight recordings of me in my Diva Cup experience on my phone from like over a year ago. And for me, I put it in and they want you to turn it 180 degrees to let it suction. I can't do that. Like, I can't I, I get it I feel like turn. the way my body is, too. Like, I have a hard time using those OB tampons, like, the ones that don't have the applicator. Yeah. I just feel like the way my situation is situated, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time. I don't think I'm going to be able to get it in with a Diva Cup. Like, I just don't think I'm going to be able to, like, there are slide that bitch in there. There are different folds. You'd be very surprised. Um, the thing also with Diva Cups is that you remain lubricated, where tampons, when you pull it out, all dry. of your liquids, you're dry. Mm-hmm. So when you're putting in another one, sometimes it can be really difficult. Which is another where... thing that can cause toxic, toxic shock, by the way. Exactly. Drying out your natural Exactly. Fluids. You shouldn't be completely dried out. So with the Diva Cup, though, you're always, you're still a little bit, like, lubricated, and there are different folds you can try. We'll get into this more with the period episode, but there are different folds that you can try to get it in there. I can get it in just fine, and it feels comfortable. I had to cut the tip almost completely because I could feel it because I have a really short cervix, and I was really scared that I wouldn't be able to get it out, but if you bear down, you can pull it out, and, like, it's, everything's fine. Okay. You can feel it. Like, when you even just put your hand, like, right on the outside, you can feel it starting to come out, and then you just pull. Well... All of this is to say that a Diva Cup is a good alternative. It is a great alternative. If only I could fucking use it. It's not going to give you toxic shock, they most do, likely. Although they do say that with cups, it is I mean, still again, a foreign don't, object. Don't leave that shit in there. Again, all of this is do not leave that shit in there because you are leaving a lot of biological matter yeah. that doesn't need to be lingering in that part of your body. Your body is trying to expel it. Yeah. So by holding it in there, and again, a more a, a warm, a warm, <laughs> moist place yeah. is a breeding ground for bacteria. So don't do that. But as far as like it's not going as far up, it's not drying out your yeah. um your vaginal vagine area. Um, it doesn't have a lot of synthetic fibers that could potentially do you harm. Um, so it's a very good alternative if you can't yeah. do pads. Um, I'm gonna keep trying until tampons. I get it. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to try and figure it out. Yeah, it's just hard for me. Like I said. As I said, like, ten times this episode, my period is very heavy. So when I try something and I don't know if it's going to work, I just get frustrated because I don't want to be walking Well, you want to be at home or something to test it out. Exactly, but it's like that's not logical for my day-to-day life to just have me be sitting at home all day. You know, if I if I did have a day where I was, you know, like, had the day off or whatever, right. yeah, and, like, didn't have to do anything, then maybe I would, you know, give it more of a try. But usually it consists of me running back and forth to the bathroom a million times, trying right. to make sure it's in right and all that kind of stuff. For sure. Do you have any more um, background info or anything to talk about? Because I have a couple of stories involving TSS. The only other thing that I have background-wise um, is that the peak of 
TSS Panic, as we call it, was in the 1980s. And in 1982... Oh, I read it was the 70s. Well, because this thing didn't happen until... I mean, it wasn't even recognized until, like, 1978. That's true. So it didn't take off as far as being something that was a real problem until the 80s. And it was in 1982 that a woman was awarded $19,000 because she contracted TSS after using a Playtex brand. After her, more than 400 others who had contracted TSS filed claims against Procter & Gamble, Mm -hmm. who were the makers of Rely PR tampons, and also um, there were other cases in which they um, sued other tampon companies. So the media almost exclusively reported this as a tampon issue. Yes. So... Again, there's such a danger in misreporting uh-huh. these things, and I understand that it was kind of a sensational way to report this as something that only happens whenever you misuse a tampon. Um, but because of that, a lot of men or non-menstruating women or children maybe didn't see the signs of what this was exactly. because they didn't think they could contract TSS without using tampons. Yeah, and even today, most of the stories you hear about TSS do involve tampons. So these are a few stories that I read that I found really interesting. And the first one was Nancy Robertson, who was a writer for the New York Times. She was also a White House correspondent from 1963 to 1972. In 1983, she won a Pulitzer Prize for feature writing for her account of her struggle with TSS, a cover story for the New York Times, which became the most widely syndicated article at the time. TSS caused her to have eight of her fingers partially amputated. And these are all horror stories, you guys, by the way. Worst case scenarios here. Right. But they're right. fascinating. Yes. So. so, yeah, hold on. So let's pause this real fast. Let's pause real fast. Again, if you are a hypochondriac, now's the time to stop listening, yeah, I think. Stop. Because we have already given you all of the information on how rare this is. Likely, it's not going to happen to you. Neither Madigan or I is going to stop wearing tampons. Yeah. Like, So it's not something that we're terribly scared about. But if you are a hypochondriac or are very concerned about this sort of thing happening to you, um, don't listen to these stories because this is worst case yeah. scenario. You know what? We're okay with you turning it off. Yes. We're not offended. This is worst case. It's all good. Worst case scenario. So this woman says, I went dancing the night before in a black Paris gown. One of those evenings that was glamour of New York epi- epitomized. I just love the way she wrote. She goes, I was blissfully asleep by 3 p.m. Well, by she's, 3 she's got to give you like contrast. I know. She's but like, like, the night was fantastic. And then this awful thing in happened. A, in a black Paris gown. Um, 24 hours later, I lay dying, my fingers and legs darkening with gangrene, which they, with gangrene? With gangrene. And they do say that gangrene is also something that you'll start to notice. Which is something you think of as happening to Civil War veterans. Exactly. Uh, but could happen to you. (laughs) Yeah. So Robertson was known for her book, The Girls on the Balcony, which surrounded a class action suit, uh... On behalf of 550 women at the Times over inequity of pay, assignments, and advancements. Advancements. So Robertson was actually 55 when she got TSS and among the small number of postmenopausal women who get TSS each year. So she wasn't using tampons. Mm-hmm. She was postmenopausal. I also read a story about a woman named Lauren Wasser. I don't know if it's Wasser or Wasser, but I'm going to say Wasser. Lauren is a model who lost her leg from TSS caused by a tampon. She was at first struggling with flu-like symptoms, like we said, 
which culminated a heart attack, which left her on life support. Gangrene began consuming both her legs, which led to a below-the-knee amputation of her right leg and toe amputations on her left foot. Oh. But she will soon lose her left leg as well. She was basically like, can you save one of my legs, please? Like, can I just have one? But she's continuing to have gangrene it's issues. Spreading. And it's spreading. So she will most likely lose her left leg as well. But since her amputations, she's dedicated her time to raising awareness about TSS prevention and potential risks of using tampons, which is, like, to me, kind of a broad term. I feel like she's doing something similar to what we're doing. She does have a TED Talk. I wasn't able to watch the whole thing, but you can go check that out. Uh, she is campaigning for the U.S. government to pass the Robin Danielson Act, named after a woman who lost her life to TSS. The bill directs National Institutes of Health to support research on the extent to which components in feminine hygiene products pose any risks to women who use them. Well, which- I do think that this is something that should have been covered Again, not as a fear tactic, but something that should have been at least mentioned because it wasn't for me in my sex education. Yeah. In, you know, middle, uh, in elementary school and middle school that, you know, I'm sure they brushed and glossed over the fact that, yes, you need to change your tampon every however many hours, but they didn't highlight necessarily the reasons why that was so important. Um, If I heard any of these stories as a child, I would have never used tampons. Right. And I'm not saying to scare (laughs) anyone. I'm not saying to, like, tell these stories, but I am saying, like... You do risk infection. These are the potential problems if you... Even if they had just said, your vagina is a breeding ground for bacteria, don't leave anything in it for very long. Yeah, I would have been like, that's enough. It's not saying I won't use them, but it is saying I'm going to change that shit frequently. Yeah, I mean, I went to a Catholic school when they gave these talks, and they made sex seem like you have sex, and a lightning bolt is going to come down, and you're going to be killed on the spot. Um, God hates you, all that kind of stuff. So the fact that they didn't even, like, touch on this, like, this seems like a prime opportunity for, like, a Catholic school to use a, a scare Don't ca- stick anything in your vest. For real, there's a lot of people, there are people that I know who believe that, who won't put, use tampons because they believe that that will break their uh, hymen. A lot of Christians don't do that. But guess what? Like, riding a fucking bike can break your hymen. Yeah, like, falling down. Yeah. All of those things. Like, it do- it's not a true And it doesn't mean anything because also virginity is a social construct. That yep. means fucking nothing, nothing. Well, you sound like John Ralphio. Yeah. The worst. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Ugh. Goody, goody, two shoes. Those are the only two stories I have because I was getting really deep into these stories. And I was like, I don't want to have half of this episode just be horror story upon horror story of any of this. Right. Yeah. It should be acknowledged that these things do happen. Again, take care of yourself. Yeah. It's like, that's really what it comes down to is like, take care of yourself. Yeah. And it seems like, you know. Nancy Robertson talks about how she had this great night of partying, woke up the next morning, and she was hospitalized. I'm wondering if there there must have been something else happening. There must have been some signs that she wasn't listening to in her body. Because Absolutely. to me, it's like, if you are one of those people, like I can be, who pushes things away, especially when it comes to money, I'm like, I don't have the money to just be going to doctors all the time. I have a pain in it my off. back that I've had since Monday Yeah, um, that I have just now finally today been like, if this doesn't go away by next Monday, I should go get an x-ray. What but kind of pain in your back is it, though? It's like... Is it bone or muscle? I can't tell. I thought it was bones. Where I had, is it? I had Anthony try and crack it, but it didn't work. In fact, I think it made it worse. Is it a rib? It's like 
right below my shoulder blade next okay. to my spine. Okay. I actually get a lot of tingling there and that it's not sorry, tingling. It's it, like a sharp No, but pain. I get I get tingling and then it turns into sharp pain. But I have a pretty much a, like a chronic tingling that I have there. I would see a chiropractor and I know a lot of people are going to be like fuck chiropractors, they save my life. I get I, my sh left shoulder is bad. My right shoulder is usually quite good. So over the last year or so, I've started getting sh shoulder pains, and that's when it comes to that shit. I can't live with it, so I just go immediately to my chiropractor. Yeah, it's, it's probably a it, rib. Out it of hurts. Place. It hurts pretty badly, and it's hurt since Monday. I would say it's a rib out of place. But that's I, gonna be my guess. But again, but I'm not like, a doctor. To relate to Nancy here, yeah, I have not slowed down. I've been working. I've been at rehearsal. I've been going out. I'm still doing all the things that I did, even though yeah. like I'm in this kind of pain. And who knows if I were to go to the doctor and he was like, oh, you have all of these problems that you have now made worse by ignoring all the symptoms. Yeah. I am that person. I'm the person. I have the fear where I'm going to go in and they're going to be like, you're absolutely fine. And I'm just like, why did I pay $150 to tell Which me I'm fine? I, I agree. But what I'm saying is like, I understand how this could happen because it would absolutely happen to me. I would be the person who's like, I have all the symptoms of toxic shock. And it's not until like my hands and feet are literally peeling away that I'm like, maybe I should go to a doctor. Which and I by feel that like, point, who knows how far along you are. Right. And we do live in a society a lot of times when it comes to being sick or being tired where we are told to push through it. We're not told to um, take time off or take care of our bodies. We are told to work constantly, basically. Well, and that's, and also our, you know, if we want to go into that too, it's like our health system is shit. So right. yeah, if you are poor, it's like you, I read a thing that was like being poor now just leads to being more poor later because you can't Don't say that to me. It no, no, me. because, because say this thing in my back is like a real problem. Yeah. If I wasn't concerned about money at all, I would have just gone to the doctor or wasn't concerned about my health insurance or any of that. I would just go to the doctor. They'd take care of it quickly and it would probably be fine. If you are poor, you put off, put off, put off, put off ever yep. going to the doctor. You put off getting that root canal because you can't afford it. And now you have to have 20 teeth pulled and it's yeah. exponentially more expensive. That's true. And that's, yeah. that's kind of what happens. It's a cyclical problem that we have in our country because our healthcare is bullshit. Yeah. But now we've gone off on a different direction. But... But yeah, I mean, I I can see how this could happen and it's hard for me because I feel I feel hypocritical telling people like you need to go to the doctor if these things happen. But you're also telling yourself when you say that too. You're like, "Oh shit, I probably should go to the doctor." Right, but yeah. I know I probably won't. You can go to the doctor. <laughs> I know. I'm just going to text you randomly every couple months and just be like, Kagan, do you need to go to the doctor?" And then my fingers and toes will be amputated you're because like, of toxic You're like, "My fingers look a little green." I think I'm cool, and I'm going to be like, girl. probably fine. Maybe it's just a bruise. <laughs> it's just a bruise. All of my fingers are bruised. It's fine. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that was another kind of, like, quick episode. Yeah. We don't have anything else to add. No, that's all I have. Well, I hope that you guys enjoyed it. I hope that you're not scared. I hope that none of this, like, freaked you out. I thought it was a really interesting thing for us to talk about and for me to learn about because... I really had the idea that TSS was tampons. Like, I had mm -hmm. that idea in my head. So learning more about it, I'm very much a believer in uh, learning about the thing that you're scared of mm -hmm. so that you can conquer your fear, know more about it, look for those warning signs, and be able to prevent prevent it in any way possible. And I think that with TSS, that's very important. Yes, it is. And like anything else, do your own research on this. Like, look into other forms. If it's something that really scares you, we're not here to say that your fears are invalid. Oh, of course So, not. 
if it's something that really makes you uncomfortable or very nervous, look into other forms of, um, you know, period products. Oh, yeah. Talk to your gynecologist Mm -hmm. about it. I think that's probably the most important thing that you can do if you have issues when it comes to or fears when it comes to anything to do with your vagina or any problem that your gynecologist can um, specify in. And talking to them about your fears, because I found with other sorts of fears around going to the gynecologist, they've been incredibly helpful and had really wonderful ways of dealing with my anxieties. And so by talking to a medical professional, because we are not medical professionals, we are not here to tell you what to do. Yes, heavy disclaimer. Yeah. We are not doctors, just in case you could not tell. Dr. Winfield. Um, Dr. Haggerty. Exactly. Yes. Can no. you imagine? Um, um. I, I'm way too lazy to have gone through all of that school. I could play one on TV, though. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If anyone's looking. We went to film school, so we can play one on TV. It's fine. Basically the same thing. Exactly. It's exactly the same. (laughs) Uh, No, go to a real doctor. Talk to someone that you trust. Talk to a doctor that you trust. And um, talk about different options for you and what's going to give you that ease of mind. And, um, yeah, just don't don't be too scared. It's okay. It's so rare. I just want to drive that home. It's so rare. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like what point zero zero five percent of people yeah, one in one in, year. One in it. one to two out of every one hundred thousand women will yeah. will experience that. Or yeah. people rather will experience that. So exactly. it's it's nothing to be hyper concerned about. Exactly. And I think it's good also to educate people about it too. Like for me, I've had friends who have talked about their fears of it and now I feel like I have more information where I can be like, Oh no, no, like you need to do some reading about it. Maybe you don't need to be so afraid of it. Right. You know? So thank you so much, you guys, for listening. Um, The big topic right now that we are really needing help from all of you is motherhood stories. Mother's Day is May 12th. We would love your stories to be in by, like, the night of Sunday the 5th or morning of Monday the 6th would be ideal. That was right, right? Something like that. Wait, let me double check. I think that the fifth or sixth, regardless of what day that is. No, but I, th- I want to make sure. Yes. Okay. So it is the fifth or sixth. Okay. Uh, we would love to have your stories in by either the evening of the fifth or the morning of the sixth. Very, very important. We record on either Wednesday or Thursday. We really want to have all your stories in. We have a few right now, but we really do need quite a bit more for us to be able to give you a full-length episode, motherhood episode. I'm sure Keegan and I would love to talk about our mothers for a long time, but we really want to hear your stories and things that are different yeah, from I our mean, own and, experiences. Yeah, I mean, we already gave you our motherhood stories I know, last time. It's true. So we, we have, want to hear it again. We would love to have more from listeners. Tell us about your experiences as a mother or with your own mothers. Um, and or again, mother figures in your mother life, figures, too. good, bad, ugly. We want all of it because they're all real and they yeah. all matter. And every story is different and beautiful or devastating in its own way. Exactly. All very, very important, like Keegan said. So go ahead and email those to us at neighborhoodfeminists at gmail.com. You can check us out on Instagram. You can direct message us there as well at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. Feel free to uh, like us and review us on our business page. And chat with the fellow ragers on the group page. I think that's going to be a really great thing for everybody and share different things that you find online or have different discussions with people that all listen to the show. Um, Go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us out so, 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 so much. And we really appreciate it. You will be featured on Reviews Day Tuesday. We haven't had one in a while because we haven't had any new reviews. So let's change that. Um, also, we really, really love it when you listen to us on Radio Public. It is completely free for you, and it helps us out a little bit. And it makes everybody in the world happy. Everybody in the <laughs> world. It makes them all happy. 
You guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.